The Regenerative Leap Forward with me, Matt Powers. So before we get started, who am I? Well, I started off my life pretty normal. I grew up in New England. That's kind of the rhino's horn of America, this corner of America. And my plan was pretty darn simple. I wanted to be a ski racer and I wanted to be a rocker. And as you can see from these things, I did those things. But let's kind of unpack them a little bit because an older, wiser self kind of looks at this photo and sees a lot of layers of things that might apply to you, might apply to this talk. I don't know. (laughs) And what I see here is I see a young Matt going off this drop-off. There are these little cliffs that are built into this ski race. It's a not not a typical way that people are doing GS, um, but it's a fun way that Mount Snow is doing it for this special race. And you would go off these little cliffs like jump. So you would jump as part of this. But if you know anything about the physics of skiing and speed and movement, and you probably do, you probably suspect some of this, you don't want to slow down before you go off these things. Can you see the snow coming up off my ski? Can you see how both feet are on the ground? First of all, that's not good technique. But secondly, I'm slowing down. I'm also looking right down at it. And, you know, at least my arms are together and my arms aren't like wide catching the wind to slow down and go back on my heels. Totally. That's good. But but it's really telling. I've got all this great equipment on. I'm slowing down, though, and looking at the thing that I fear instead of looking past the thing I fear at the goal. I'm in the middle of a race and I'm slowing myself down. And many of us are at this moment where there's there's a drop off coming and we're slowing down and staring at that drop-off instead of looking ahead. And that's really what I want to talk about today because um, I grew up, you know, I, I wanted to be a rocker. I got to be a rocker. I got to play with people like this. That's Billy Gibbons, ZZ Top with me right there. That's Saturday Night Live's drummer, Sean Pellin, on the other side of me. And the guy in the green is the guy who, you know, pulled me into it when I was just 18, started playing bass for John Cusimano. And during that process, I met this amazing young woman who became my wife. I actually knew she was my wife three days into our relationship. And six months later, we were married. And what's funny is the night I I was so excited, I had to tell someone the night that I proposed. And she said, yes, three months into our relationship, that I called my friend John. Um, from that last picture and I was like John he's my band leader I was like you're never gonna guess this you're never gonna believe this I'm like and he's like guess all right well I got somebody to tell you and so I went first I told him that I'm getting married and he was like wait what what He was like I proposed to Rachel we're getting married too and you stole my thunder and he was totally upset so this happened too Um, Rachel Ray and John got married and then from there I got to see her kind of just like go through the roof I mean Oprah's camera was there at the wedding Um, we started national touring we started playing all over and then this little guy came along this is my son he started playing music really early on he is absolutely fluent in music some people could say you know he's a genius but it's more like he's fluent and more of our children could be fluent if we gave them the opportunity to follow their passion and 
then I started doing solo music. My stuff's still on iTunes. And all of this really compounded um, into a moment where my wife um, was getting tired and you know taking care of the baby and everything we thought maybe it was that but it kept getting worse and worse and worse so she felt like she was underwater and then we did a biopsy and they discovered cancer and it like radically changed everything Um, we listened to the doctors at first and the doctor's advice led to more cancer and we would question them about question them about things and they would give us all these different answers they said it was you know only a month that our son had to be away but the trash that my wife was touching, all of it had to go in trash bags for six months because if it went to the dump, it would get her in trouble and get they'd be able to track the radioactive isotope back to her. And so it became this series of contradictions. The cancer came back. Um, she lost her thyroid. She lost huge parts of her leg to melanoma in two different parts. And, and it totally changed how, how I felt about doctors, how I felt about medicine, my level of trust of the world of experts. And we left. Um, she asked me to leave that band, that dream band, you know, there, I, I got to learn and watch people rise and handle success. And it was this amazing, amazing experience. And I didn't have to work hard. It was fun. It was easy. I had an easy life. And so I left it and moved out west, and life wasn't so easy anymore. Um, I kept trying to do my dream, and life kept just kind of pulling me back to responsibility in a daily life inside my house with my family, taking care of my wife and taking care of my kids, you know, cooking the food, doing you know the dishes and all this stuff, and really just focusing on you know being you know a homebody and being at home to take care of my family, and so. The hardest thing, you know, um, that I had to do this time period was quit music. And I was bitter about it and upset. And I became a, a teacher, um, not by choice. My my wife <laughs> and um, one of our friends, one of our family friends, really leaned on me to just try it. Just go. Just take the test. Pass the test. I'm sure you could pass the test. And so I did. And then I went to schools and I saw how poorly kids are treated, what crap they're being taught. And it, and it kind of um, upended me again. It, it lit me on fire again. And I couldn't believe what we were doing to our future, to our culture, to our society. We're creating criminals. We're creating problems. We're, we're creating suicide and depression and, and loss of meaning and apathy and it's all happening in schools and all the things I hated about school I got to see again and then I got to try and then I was like in the middle of it and so I'm like trying to fix it and and I got caught up in it deeper and deeper and deeper as I tried and um, I became a teacher I became a full tenured English teacher I was credentialed to teach um, history as well music teacher and I was kind of crazy though. I would teach um, cooking and, and, and seed saving and food. And in that process, you know, I, 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 became, I became the teacher that my mom was and that my, my grandmother was. And during that time period, cancer came back. And 
we, we we realized that you know the doctors we couldn't we couldn't do the radiation again we wouldn't do the radiation again we weren't going to do chemo or anything like that um we saw we've see, we'd seen the results enough i mean when your parents are telling you that they would never do chemo that they've seen it enough they understand they have no desire to ever do that and so you're you, you've got all these voices you know that they don't know what they're talking about they're reading off of separate scripts and I just I just started reading alternative stuff. I started studying alternative stuff and I discovered the Gerson therapy. And they say that the Gerson therapy is only 30% effective, but you know, chemo is only 15%. So this was this was our hope. This was what we were working on. This is what we were going for. But if you've done the Gerson therapy, then you know very well how expensive it is. And finding affordable organic food for eating and juicing is almost impossible for most people's budget, let alone a substitute teacher. So I started gardening and I started trying to grow this food and I didn't do very well because the soils are 140 degrees. You know, you water them, they get down to 115 degrees. Um, the wildlife pressure is intense. We've got communities where they're not allowed to hunt just a few miles away. We've got Yosemite on the other side. It's all full of wildlife, of deer that just come and decimate. The family came at night. They just ate the whole garden. That's the same story everywhere. Everyone told me you couldn't garden. You couldn't garden. It's not going to work. You got to go to the valley where all the farms are, where the animals just aren't in, in great numbers. I also had mounting debt. It was brutal. I wasn't making enough money. I was used to being, making good money as a bass player, I had a two-story apartment I was paying for with just bass playing and catering and managing events in New York City. And I, I, it was really, really hard to adjust to that lower gear as I was trying to make us switch 100% to organic and then grow 100% of our stuff organically and then enough to grow stuff to juice. Whew, I'm getting like panic just thinking about it. And it, it is crazy how easy it is to get into debt when you're trying to treat cancer, when you're trying to do things alternatively. And then later, you know, when, when you don't have health insurance, like right now, like, you know, off and on for the past six years, um, it's very difficult. And as a musician, we always face that. Um, and when I became a teacher, it was like this huge blessing at first, but then it became a curse because Within a few years, I was paying $750 a month for my health care. And so this mounting debt, just all sides started caving and falling on top of me. And I realized I couldn't remain a teacher. I couldn't stay in this position um, or, or I would be capsized. I would be drowned. I would be crushed. And so this was this realization that I had to do something to save my wife. I had to do something to become this gardener and I had to do something to get out of debt um, and get out of this position that I was in and I didn't know what to do and so I started studying I started seeking and looking everywhere the internet um, books everything and I discovered this thing called permaculture and it sounded really like it was the solution to all my problems and as I was studying it I kept finding political answers and social answers that were surprising that were non-political party associated they were um, innovative they were creative natural and this new thing regenerative 
and not sustainable where we're like at one level, but things get exponentially better. And it's really simple. It's earth care, it's people care, and it's future care, which is the investment, management, and planning and design towards the future care of those first two ethics, earth and people care. More complexly, it looks like this, you know. Um, <laughs> I created this. Um, and if you just want to simplify it, permaculture is the noun. It's 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 the those ethics. It's the principles. It's what we're providing care for and designing towards with that lens. And it's a thing. It's a philosophy. It's a lens. It's a anthropomorphic thing. Okay. And then regenerative is an adjective. It's a descriptor. And it's a it's a behavior. And it's scientifically measurable. So permaculture is this scientific lens that allows us to see all these things, but regenerative is the is the actual behavior. So that's that's really what's so powerful about this because these two things go together. Once you see it, you can be it, right? So this is this is the moment when we pair these two things together and really see how we can take this into our lives. And this is me in the center here. I threw these seeds on the ground, on bare ground after I cut these swales and walked away and watered it. And it grew like this all in one season. And so we can do this. We can create epic gardens, epic food forests, abundance wherever humans are. We can do this. And it didn't take me long to figure it out once I had the information and once I started digging deeper. And I was really lucky because I learned this not just in the PDC. I had been studying the book side of things for years and I'm an academic. So I take a lot out of books. I used to study Shakespeare. That was my colloquium. I studied James Joyce, Ulysses, all that kind of stuff was like candy for me. And so when I read Bill Mollison's work, when I read all this, you know, soil science and all this stuff, I just really liked interpreting it and breaking it down to a level that I could explain to my child or the students in my classroom. And so I, when I took Jeff Lawton's PDC and got my certification, my official certification, I really was asking him questions about Bill Mollison's work, not what, what Jeff was teaching. I was asking him questions about what other scientists were, ask, were, were working on in journals and what Masanobu Fukuoka did and what Sepp Holzer was doing to try to get a triangulated understanding of the principles at work throughout all these examples. So that, that, that's, that's you know, why you see this explosion to a certain degree and how I applied all these things so quickly and in only a few seasons. Um, w w there, was, there was massive change um, over several acres. And I did a lot of things that were unconventional, never seen in permaculture before, like living fences. I didn't have money for fences. So I created a group of plants that literally acted as living edible, edible and non-edible fencing for all those wildlife critters. So I was able to grow an abundance of food. I was able to create a barrier to the wildlife and then I was able to lower the temperatures from 140 to 76 Fahrenheit. That's a completely different reality. That's almost cold comparatively. So you get to see in very, very stark reality how 
we can control the temperatures really easily in these situations even if it's 112 degrees 115 degrees fahrenheit ambient temperature out and you've got sun you know burning down bearing down on you for almost the entire day so this is this is what i learned from permaculture in practice and then i started saving seed like mad and i started treating the seed differently because I learned stuff from Sepp Holzer. And so I was able to grow without watering in that 140 degree soils. These are the secrets. These are the answers that I discovered in my journey. And they're not in other people's PDCs. You won't find these solutions because they haven't done it. And th this is what happened with me. This is my journey. I was able to not just seed save, but start to create my own varieties, start to, to take these heirloom, these heirloom varieties into new land races. And I then wrote a book about it and almost made as much money as I make in an entire year as a school teacher. I actually think after taxes, this is exactly how much I made as a school teacher in Madeira County. And it's really kind of crazy, right? That we pay teachers so little, but it was really crazy that this was even possible, that I was modeling this for my students so that they could launch and get themselves out of their situation. And then it happened for me in front of them. And so I, my, my students are in Madera County. It's one of the poorest counties in California. It's the sixth most violent county in America. Kids really don't have very many options. I mean, it's going to debt, extreme debt to go to a subpar college, go to you know uh, the military to trade time and maybe your life or go to jail or trouble or I've lost several students already they're not with us I've had several students make poor decisions and get permanently damaged by their choices and so it is not an easy place and so I was really trying to give them something give them some hope give them some direction give them a path give them a bridge from where they were to where they could be. You know, I was really lucky as a child. I was gifted all this amazing experience and education. I went to a school where my roommate, you know, was in the Olympics a few years ago. My brother, who was across the hall in our dormitory in seventh grade, beat Bodie Miller consistently as, as a teenager. Bodie Miller is a gold medalist, remembers my brother very well. I was able to grow up in this really high performance atmosphere. I went to boarding school. I went to NYU. I had all this gifted to me and then I saw what was going on in the world around me and I felt I had to pay it forward I had to give this gift to them and so this book became that gift and it went around the world this is in Africa these are translations these are just a few of the translations there are many more in process right now and there's many adapt adaptations that I'm licensing as well because in some areas, they need different information. Um, they need pieces of information. They need parts of it expanded, simplified, um, and, and, and parts of it just don't make, uh, there's no words for them yet. And so we need to, to figure this out. We need to work with people. We need to spread this knowledge as best we can, however we can, and that's what I'm doing. I work with peer reviewers on my work. I work with experts all over the world, globally, people who have done it, scientists, researchers, practitioners, other educators. 
And through that process, I've been able to create unbelievable in-depth works that have now been accredited programs that are now reaching people all over the world in countries all over the world. So seven crowdfunding campaigns later, right? Um, I've got 16 books, seven online courses, and soon, you know, 2020 is going to be 20 books, 10 online courses. That's over $100,000 in support, and that's all in good faith. And I think that's really important because that's a seed. You saw, you believed, and then you put it in me. And then I was able to take that seed and germinate it and grow and then provide fruit that everyone could feast off of. And now it is in schools, it is in colleges, it is in stores and libraries because of you. It is accredited. It is in six languages. It's on all continents. But, but Antarctica, though, I've heard that someone's trying to sneak it onto Antarctica, so we'll see. Really, what this is, is the academic bridge to the regenerative economy, to the regenerative future. This is what I'm all about. This is what I've been building because I see these kids. I see that they do not have an economic, hopeful future. And not only that, the, the options they have are like pesticide dealer and like... Uh, other compromising jobs, other health compromising work and, and being paid hardly anything and working, you know, retail at chains and malls and, and it's, and it's really, really worrisome. It's scary. And so I need to provide something that's meaningful, something that's powerful, something that's ethical, something that they can be proud of that they're doing. So thank you. Thank you for providing the help for making this possible, for supporting me, for being here, for watching this and sharing it. So who am I really? I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a teacher, and I'm determined to be a bridge builder to a regenerative future. All right, so what's the plan? <laughs> Notice it's the plan, it's time, not my plan. <laughs> so step one, the educational materials. Well, I've created those, right? I, I, I've built those. Um, and you notice there are some things in here that um, are new um, that you have not actually published and that's okay because I'm creating more teacher's guides, more new additions because they need to happen. I, I need to update some things, need to expand some things, need to provide some more materials. But that's basically almost ready to be fully like adopted everywhere, okay? Step two educational and social platforms. Now, I've been working on these as well. That's what my online courses are, that's what my online communities are, that's what my, my social media platforms are. There are ways that we can converse, that we can communicate, and my courses on the back end are these peer-reviewing expert communities as well, where we're fomenting discussion and discourse so that we can really arrive at new understanding, deepen our, our current understanding. So more teacher's guides, right? More new additions, more accreditations. We need to get into more schools. We need to reach more people and in more places. Now, step three, regenerative career, business and entrepreneurship training and networking are so critical to this next step because we have to know what to do we have to know how to do it and we need to know who to do it with. So this is a problem I've seen. I've been part of it. I've been swept up a little bit of it, but I've always had this sense that we need to be careful because of the music industry, because of the publishing industry that I've, I've always come from and been a part of. So I'm really hesitant to jump into business with people. 
But at these events, they're like, let us do an event. And it'll be like Burning Man inside a hotel, but without the fire. And, and people get intoxicated, literally, and emotionally, and they make decisions. They're like, I feel like I'm you and you're me and we're the same and we're just going to launch this business. It's beautiful. And people make bad decisions and a year, months, maybe even weeks into it, they realize that was a bad decision. We don't have the money to do this. We don't, we don't have the skill to do this. We don't have a good plan. We don't have the compatibility to, to do this together. The reality is so many businesses are broken by the way that they begin. And I've seen it at these things. And there's a shift that's come in many of these conferences in the personal development and the business world. And in the regenerative world, um, I've not seen that shift. There's still this party mentality to a degree. And we have to shift to a reflection a deeper, ah, centered, focused, clarity-based. Brighten those lights, you know, you know what I mean? Like we want people to have a clear understanding. We want people to reflect. We want people to have an organized path forward at these conferences and at these these get-togethers and trainings. We can't uh, just be marketing to people at our event. We need to feed them and teach them. You know, it's like people never stop marketing and they're just selling the people on the idea of the thing in it rather than teaching them the actual thing. And it's really critical that we get off the hype train, we get on the instruction, the growth, the reflection train, because that's where all of the growth really happens. So we need to have regenerative business conferences and job Expos, Like I said, it needs to be real. It needs to be gritty and how-to. Job expos will bring in everyone. Everyone. We need a lot more than market gardeners and farmers and orchardists and ranchers. We need all the people that form around those value adds and services in the local economy. We need all all the jobs in our current economies to switch over and find their regenerative twins. We need to have all the waste streams flip into fertility, flip into new powerful resources that are regenerative. We need to do this and we need to provide the jobs to do it. So it's critical that we think this way, that we prepare for this and that we do it. So I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be creating job expos that are paired with business conferences. Yes, paired. So we have two conferences essentially at once. But this is having an inner and an outer, I think is really, really important. So that there's this recognition that, hey, there are people right there right now that are scaling up, that are making choices that will change the world. And I, I, it, it has to happen. This has to happen. So 15 U.S. cities, 100 startups each, 1,500 startups by 2022. This is the plan. We are going to ignite the local economies of these cities with new, regenerative, ethical, exciting, and powerful businesses that are disruptive economically, ethically, socially, and environmentally so that people see what is truly possible. 
And if you're like, wait, Matt, how, how are we going to do all that? Listen, we need business models. This is the number one linchpin that is missing that people are finding is that drop off and they're looking right at it. And I've, I've realized this, I've seen it. And that's why I've got that course, the regenerative entrepreneurs and experts for business planning. So we need business plans. We need business models, but then we also need business guild models. How are these businesses going to chain together regeneratively to form a local economy? Because only when something can grow and sustain itself and create greater and greater stability will you have a strong local economy. And from that is independence. And that independence literally is what formed democracy in America. So if you want political power, if you want local power, if you want to change the laws, you want to spread your ideas, you want to start there. Start with creating a regenerative business and regenerative business guilt system that is valuable to your local economy. And then suddenly you've got your network of support. And this is so critically important. If you don't have your network of support, you will fail. We need money to be constantly coming in to, to, to feed that, that young business. We need to be constantly understanding what next steps need to be taken to improve our business. So we need that feedback. That support network is so vital. So we're all on this path together and we're wondering which way to go. And that's why the map is so incredibly important. We see, hey, these are how these systems work. These are the paths that things, energy and resources can take in our community. But then seeing how they link together is really critically important. And notice how I underline in the middle there of the red dot, value added. This is the section that we're really leaving out. I mean, people are talking about how farmers markets are, you know, um, overflowing. We've got too many tomatoes. You got enough of this, enough of that, tons of greens. The restaurants are being tapped out. There's all this, this friction. We're feeling like we're reaching the limit, but the reality is we've reached where we're next going to, which is value added. You've got a ton of product. You can't sell enough to consumers as a raw product. Ding, ding, ding. That's your signal value added is the next step and guess what that means okay so you're starting other businesses you're helping other people's business that means they're relying upon you to run their livelihood which gives your business a deep stability in the community and if suddenly you've got five to ten businesses that are relying upon you your business is deeply embedded in that local economy and environment. And if it's regenerative, your regenerative impact is just deeper and deeper ingrained and more, made more permanent, more permanent culture. Because that's what we're doing here. We're cultivating our cultures. We're cultivating a better life. And we're trying to make the regenerative choices, regenerative patterns into a permanent part of that culture. And this is this is all things. We could be doing this, you know, um, with food, um, like in Marin County, it's 10 billion in food that's imported each year. They have farms. They've got like lawns. They've got backyards. They literally could be making so much more money as a county as members of that area but they're not and if you're like oh you need so much land to grow food 
Um, conventionally, sure. Sure, yeah, you do. Um, like with a big tractor and the combine and all that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah. But the reality is so many areas don't need that at all. You could just set up an agroforestry food forest, you pick, and you could be creating so much extra money for yourself if you do it right. So this is something that is, is people are finally starting to realize we import most of our food in America right now. The harvests are so low in America. People are saying it's basically zero harvest. I mean, students, farmers that are in my course are had good harvests this year, no doubt. But, but there is zero grain storage in America right now. The harvests are so low. Food prices are skyrocketing. Um, we're having arguments with our, our trade partners such that some shipments of bananas, some shipments of avocados, they're going to other countries because we're arguing and haggling and having trade discrepancies. And it, it's going to be on us. We're going to find a situation where it's either we jump on this opportunity or we're going to pay the price with starvation or just malnutrition or even eating crap. We're only gonna have crappy food as an option or, or bad food or food that shouldn't be eaten by people. Um, it's happened in the past and it will happen in the future if we're not careful. And as I said, there are other models. Um, this is a beautiful representation. The fiber shed shows how you tie in local designers, um, people who are craftsmen, people who are processing, and you turn it all back into soil regeneratively. This is a business guild. So not just a map, but tools and training are needed. And not just the vehicle, but the fuel too. We need to break through. We need to get to that other side. We need to get out of orbit. That barrier that for so long humanity saw as the barrier for all movement of humanity it took a lot of fuel, it took a lot of ingenuity, it took a lot of planning, it took a lot of effort to break out into outer space. And like that situation we are in in the environment, we are in a desertifying downward spiral that's increasing in its pace and it's eating up our culture, our society and everything. And we need to bust out of this. We need to rock it out of this situation. And it's going to take serious fuel. And maybe, maybe I should just be straight up, you know, because the fuel in this situation is money, right? Because, you know, we could give out fish all day long and people would be able to eat for that day. I'm sure you heard this one. But if we taught people how to fish, if we actually were the companions, the mentors, the friends, not only would we be able to fish together and create a stable future, but it would be an abundant, enjoyable future full of love and care. So I'm going to write the Regenerative Business Plan Sourcebook. It's going to have all the business plans in it. And you can mix and mash and combine and adapt and everything. But I'm going to create hundreds of business plans and write them down and get people to actually give me their business plan and make it public, transparency here, and share what they've done to be successful. I think people like Trad Cotter might be into this. Other people might be in the, into this. But we can actually do this. We can share this information and launch other people 
and get them to to do what we're doing and have success. I've seen it done. Frank Goldbeck has started five other meteries. I've taught many other people how to self-publish and be a micro-publisher. And they've seen success. They've done it. And so we can do it too. We can provide that map. We can provide that path. But we need to provide the fuel. So the startup grants, this is something that I'm seeking funding. I'm doing the research. I'm talking to a lot of people right now and people are very excited because there are investors. They're seeking places to put their money and there, I'm not, I'm not talking about millions. I'm talking about billions of dollars are waiting for us to invest in the regenerative economy. Okay. So Education is hard. It's hard to get people to invest in education. It's hard to get people to jump on in self-improvement. But guess what? It is not hard to get people to invest in business. People need businesses. They need businesses to eat. They need businesses to get that vehicle, to have their family, to support their family. To They need it. They have to have it. And this is the linchpin. This is the gap that has, has been in the face that permaculture has been staring at and instead of preparing to go over it like launching like a rocket, there has been this staring at the problem and a slowing down and confusion and people bailing out and not even taking the leap. People are like, oh, well, permaculture doesn't have Kuripath's goodbye and they're like, Meanwhile, they're blowing out and their skis are flying off and they're crashing in this huge, this huge mass. And we need to give people the confidence that they can launch over this, that they can make it over this gap, that they have the equipment already. They have the good skills. They have the knowledge and we need to be able to give them the practice in place, give them the maps, give them the understandings and then give them that confidence. And that's what the startup grants are. There's gonna be you know, advisors and feedback attached to this and plans attached to the grants so that you can actually implement these things in an organized way so the money just doesn't get wasted, just doesn't turn into something that fails. We have the ability to do this. We can make this happen. And then the regenerative business loans. We need to have business plans and business loans and then like month by month plans for paying off those loans and having that paying off be the fuel that launches your business to the next level after you finish that loan. So not only is it an exponential growth with the loan, but then after the paying off becomes this extra double down on your goal, on your business. So we're going to do this. We're going to have the business training. We're going to have the business plans. We're going to have the startup grants. We're going to have the business loans. And we're going to go to 15 U.S. cities. We're going to have 100 startups in those cities. And by 2022, we're going to have 1,500 new regenerative businesses in America, making the world a better place, providing meaning and a path for a brighter future for everyone involved, for your customers, and for you. And that is what I'm focused on. I want to launch into that new reality, into that new future. Because step five is thrive. 
All we have to do when we get into that next orbit is focus on our businesses, focus on feeding our families and growing good food and and providing good service. And it literally is the ethical future that we all want to arrive at. And when we create the economy, we are essentially creating this this bubble or this new island in the ocean of doubt and fear and anger and confusion. And we will spread, we will grow, and where we are, the stability will be there for us to thrive. And people will see it and jump on the island. They will swim to the island and they will start helping us to build and spread the stability and resiliency of the regenerative economy. This doesn't come so easy to everyone, I've been told by some people. And the reality is they think that it's a personality. They think that entrepreneurs are just a personality. So is it real? Is this just a personality type? Well, from my personal experience and from the educational psychology and studies that I have done as an educator, as a master's degree holder in education, I can tell you that it's not quite that way. I was an entertainer when I first started taking personality tests and then I became an entrepreneur later on and I was like, oh wow, this is crazy, this is so cool, I've changed, I've become you know, this greater thing and then I became a protagonist recently when I tested myself and I, I've got this vision, I've got this greater higher call and, and I'm gathering people and leading them and it's, it's not so much personality I don't think. I think this is progression. I think this is becoming who our best selves are. Rather than a fixed state of personality, I think that we are fluid because our behaviors, our our habits, which are created by the choices we make. And if we start making different choices, we'll have different habits and then we'll have a different personal reality and we'll have a different personality. When we tap into our highest selves, when we tap into what we believe to be the most right, the best choices, we change and we unlock our greatness and we become who we're meant to be because we are human and humans adapt. But we need a path and you know there are some of us who need a wake-up call right aren't there aren't there people out there who are just blindly driving through our cornfields and destroying everything what are you doing or the community you know park or the the local school and these people you know they just don't understand and they come up to me um, sometimes at events sometimes online they write me and they say why do you work so hard It's like, you know, take a break. You know, you're making me feel tired just watching you do your thing. And I just think of the situation we're in. I think it's crazy to to, to ask that question because, I mean, we go to restaurants now, we go to checkout now, and increasingly we've got a robot doing a job that a person was doing only a few years ago. Jobs are being replaced three to four times faster than the Industrial Revolution. And they were burning down buildings then. They were rioting then. Think about that. The government, the military, they had to protect the looms. They had to protect, you know, all the different new technologies. 
What's going to happen to us when 3 million truckers lose their job and the 7 million people that support them in the Midwest lose their jobs at the truck stops, the restaurants? What's going to happen? I know a lot of these people. I know their families. I can see their kids' faces in my mind. It feels like we're in this race. We're all headed in this one direction. Some of us are, you know, looking at the world through our cell phones and and it kind of feels like there's this underlying sense of dread, like something's really really wrong. And many of us have kind of hit that point where like the hysteria, the the push, the race, the excitement, all of it there's an underlying note that is terrifying. We're at a bottleneck. Our little, we may live like princes and, and kings and queens greater and more comfortably than kings and queens ever lived throughout history. But our little kingdom is built on sand and it's about to pass through a bottleneck. We're about to be upended. And that bottleneck is like the genetic bottleneck. Remember, remember biology class? That genetic bottleneck, our forests are in a genetic bottleneck. We're losing the world's oldest trees right now. They're all dying. We're losing our forests right now. We're killing them and they're burning. We're losing our soil right now. It's washing away. We're destroying it chemically. We're tilling it away. We're letting it blow away. And our animals are in a genetic bottleneck. That's where the term came from. And we can't bring them back, despite all the, the fun Hollywood science that's out there and the things we've attempted. We can't seem to bring them back. Even the oceans. We're at a bottleneck in our society as well. Have you seen the homeless camps around our major cities and how they've grown in the past few years? I went to a doctor in Washington at a high-paid clinic, and she revealed to us that during medical school, she could only afford to live in a tent city. So these tent cities have our doctors in them. They have some of our highest-paid members of our society. So how safe are we when we live in towns where if we sold our house, we'd never be able to move back to that town? How safe are we when to get an education, we have to live as a homeless person? I'm reminded of this photo. This is that Dust Bowl era photo. This is actually the, the great grandmother of one of my students from Madera County. Her family moved to the area after the Dust Bowl and this was her great grandmother and that's her grandmother in her arms. And we are at another situation where we are losing our soil. We are about to hit an incredible realization about our food insecurity. And people are going to go hungry. People don't know what they're going to do. And this uncertainty is pervasive in our society. It's also a bottleneck of health. How many people do you know who have cancer, a chronic disease, an autoimmune disease, or ADD, ADHD, or Asperger's, or autism. Things are exponentially increasing. We are losing our ground. 
despite the technological gains that we seem to be arriving at space age technology, we're getting sicker and sicker. And many of us don't know it, but life expectancy has dropped for the past three years in America for men. There's this realization among men in their 50s that their businesses they've been contributing to are destroying the environment, or they don't have any job security, or they're working a job where they have no security. They're working a temporary job. They see that they have no retirement. They see the end of the road, and they see no hope for their future. And so suicide among 50-year-olds and increasingly among teenagers are steeply on the rise and it's lowering our life expectancy dramatically. If we want to fix this, if we want to have old age be a time period of gratitude, a time period of adventure and fun and reflection and joy, we need to do something today, now. Because I know if we do nothing, if we continue on this course, it's going to be hell on earth. And these people who've lost hope see that. And it's time that we show them a different path. It's time we show them a different future so that when we're at that age, we get to watch a completely new world unfold. And many of us are caught up. We're turning to the internet for inspiration, for comfort, for entertainment, for distraction. But that love, that dopamine, that, that release, that comfort that we're getting, when you just get down to it, it's just your zeros and ones on a screen. It's not life. It's not people. You're not actually interacting. And this realization is starting to dawn on people at their jobs as well. We're starting to realize our financial institutions, our larger big businesses, global everything, even our governments are all running out of time. They're all on a dead end street. It's all zeros and ones with an illusion of reality playing and flickering over it. And we're realizing that it's just an illusion. And people are getting upset. People are getting angry. People are getting out in the streets. People are protesting. People are walking out of their jobs. People are doing things that are drastic. And now is the time before things go too far that we make good choices, that we make steps, bold, giant steps. Leaps must be taken to cross the chasms that are opening up in the path ahead. Collapse is a reality in many places already. We'll have to rebuild from those collapsed ecosystems and cultures and societies. We're not going to be able to stop this everywhere. But with permaculture, we can restart properly. We're not going to be able to stop this everywhere. When I think of all this stuff, I think, what are we going to do for them? My boys are up on top here with their cousins and my sister-in-laws here are at the bottom and that little baby right there, her mama, I taught English sophomore year, my first year teaching and the poor thing, right? <laughs> my Burt Pancake year. Actually, that was one of my favorite years teaching. And 
she already has a little baby. So many of my students already have babies. And what kind of world are they going to inherit if the jobs that the mothers and fathers right now are getting are destructive to the earth right now? It's like the bottom of the barrel of opportunity. There's a few handfuls left of opportunity to turn things around. And meanwhile, instead of taking them out and planting them, we are casting it into the fire. We need to make better choices now for our children for the future because they deserve better. They deserve a chance, a real chance at a future. And our wives, our spouses, our sick ones, this collapse that we're talking about, this so many people flippantly talk about the end. They're they're not thinking about their loved ones. They're not thinking about their kids, their medication. Think about all the people that are sick that need us to maintain these lines of stability. We will not survive the sorrow of the collapses, losses, if we do not prepare today for those collapses to be moments of regenerative bouncing back. This is our opportunity. This is our choice. And it's a stark one. Because the future, tomorrow's children, they're already here and they're growing up and they're walking into that future faster and faster and faster. We have an opportunity to make this bottleneck back into something additive into something that can regenerate something that can rebuild the Lus plateau shows us what's possible over half a million square kilometers under 14 dollars per hectare per year in under 10 years this can be done we can regenerate the world this is where agriculture began we can undo the damage that agriculture has done to the world all the deserts the middle east the sahara we can fix these before we create the new deserts of the Mediterranean, the Midwest, the Amazon. So what is your why? Why do you care about all this? Why do you want to make change? Why do you want to live regeneratively? Why do you want to make change? How is your why regenerative? How is it multi-generational? or exponentially profitable and beneficial. What will you need to learn? What will you need to study? What information do you not have now that you need? What will you need to accomplish it? What tools, what resources, what people will you need to accomplish this vision, this why? Who will be your community of support? Where will they be? Who will they be? What kind of people? I found mine. Actually, I built mine. I created an online community of lifetime members around this advanced permaculture training towards career development, towards living it in our daily lives. And it's lifetime because 
this is ha- this has to be a culture. We can't just give people or sell something and then have them go away. We need to stick together. We need to form that island that we can invite more people to, and we need to expand. This community almost has a thousand people involved, and that's why I'm inviting you now to it because this is a strong, growing community focused on peer-reviewed, cited science and real case studies, real businesses that are thriving today with business models that you can emulate and experts that you can ask questions as you build these things, as you troubleshoot the management of these things because that's when the real learning begins. It's not the idea stage that we settle on. It's the application stage that is so critical. This course is 160 hours of video and it's growing. I keep adding videos to it. It might actually be over 170 now. Um, I haven't counted up. I just keep adding to it and keep refining things and keep finding new research that makes things easier and more powerful for our community. And also our community submits ideas, questions constantly, and I'm always constantly responding and providing new research that I do in response to that. And then we've got over 70 educators, experts, and people who are really living this that can share their own experience so that we can get that feedback, not just from me, but from all these other experts. Whether you're in the desert, whether you're in the Arctic, it, it doesn't matter where you are, you will be able to get what you need to grow food, to live regeneratively with this course. We cover all contexts too. So if you're only in an apartment 30 stories up, you can have a garden, you can live regeneratively, you can compost, you can do things in such a way that gets you to that ethical stage. And we want you there, we want everyone there. And that's why this course covers all climates and all contexts. And it also shows you some unbelievable insights because when you realize what happens in other environments and what doesn't happen in yours or happens in yours and not theirs, there's interesting caveats, interesting loopholes, interesting reasons why. And it's so fun to explore and it's fascinating as well. This course is not just a PDC, which is a permaculture design certification course. It's an advanced PDC, which means that you're not just designing it on paper or on your computer and sending it in to prove that you paid attention. You're actually going to build it. You're going to create an actual living project that is going to be your certification. And it's going to go on and be the seed of the change that is going to extend throughout your entire life, into your your environment, into your community, into the world and into the future. And as part of that, a critical part of that is the feedback and community. So not only can you get feedback from me on your designs and other teachers, you'll be able to get feedback from the community. You'll be able to discuss things with people from all around the world, from people who are commercially doing it to people who are doing it in their backyard. You'll be able to develop a really agile understanding of what is possible for you in all contexts. Many of my students are actually affiliates of mine. 
So everyone in my class has this opportunity to become an affiliate, a 50-50 affiliate, even though sometimes I'm selling books and I'm adding goodies and all these different things, and which are costs on my end of that 50-50. I'm giving this because I believe in my students and I wanna support my students as much as possible. I wanna give them grants, I wanna give them loans, I wanna give them everything they need to get to that regenerative future, to get that abundance, to get to that stage where you're out of the orbit, when you're into a completely new era of your life, a completely new reality. And to that end, to make things easier, we've also got payment plans, we've got bonus courses, we've got goodie bags. So this goodie bag, we've never had a goodie bag on this level. That rice knife is the best rice knife in the world. It's Permaculture Tools, Jeff Lawton's son, Daniel Lawton. This is the most incredible rice knife and you can't buy it anywhere. It's the small PT-11 rice knife. They're going to hand make it, handcraft it for everyone who signs up at that level. And it's a tool you're gonna to use for the rest of your life. Not only that, there's the book collection that's gonna come that pairs with the course. You're gonna get the journal. You can get the Ama Sea Beauty Health Package. This is absolutely something that I have to have every day, something that I use constantly, something that my wife uses constantly. You know that 60% of what you put on your skin goes in? Well, now you do. Ah, so make sure that you get this. If you don't get this package, go out and buy Amacy Beauty products anyway. This is ocean regenerative handcrafted skin therapy and it will change your life. You'll put it on your skin and you'll feel like you've been to the beach. You'll have that ah refreshing moment all in a bottle. So check that out and then of course, for all those plant breeders out there, if you want the rarest, most interesting tomatoes, you want your own variety. We've got F3 tomato seeds from Brad Gates Wild Boar Farms, just like last time. So if you wanna keep doing this, you wanna get a new variety, jump on it. This is here, and then Blue Sky Biochar. We have an exclusive sample package of Hyperdrive and Bamboo Vinegar and Biochar. And if you're a fan of my seeds, I'm gonna have a select seed pack. And of course, I'm going to have the Five Cousins seed pack. This is a goodie bag we've never offered before. We're gonna probably have some secret surprises in there as well. So if you're excited about this, this is the package for you. And of course, the bonus course, Regenerative Entrepreneurs and Experts. You'll learn alignment, crowdfunding, and best practices in regenerative business. So this is a business planning course in essence. It's got a lot of things in it, but it's in essence, you leave this course with a regenerative business plan. And I have some surprises. All those things are things I've already announced before in the past, but now I'm gonna announce something that's not been announced before in the past. We're going to have a three for one lifetime access sign up. So not only do you get into the regenerative entrepreneurs and experts, not only do you get into the advanced permaculture student online, but you get into permaculture soil science and solutions, the full 12 week course that just was backed on Kickstarter and made a possibility in 2020. So this is real, it's happening, and you can get three-for-one courses. You can get into all these unbelievable courses for the price of one. So click the link, check that out, and not only that, there's another surprise. We have a free trial. For those of you who are on the fence, for those of you who are like, oh, I might subscribe, I might not, this is for you. Click 
on the link below and go to the free three day trial and look inside the course. See what the course is actually like before you commit to buying it so that you know what the challenge is, what the tools are and what the paths are for you to grow and to develop. This is your opportunity. You have the ability to make money. You have the ability to start a business. You have the ability to network and collaborate with experts and get all the answers you need to do those things. You have the ability to check it out for free. You have the ability to get three courses for the price of one, to get unbelievable goodies, but it's only for a limited time. There's only a few days left to sign up. So make sure you join us. Whether you're gonna go the full in or you're gonna just join us for the free three-day trial to see what this is all about. Get educated, understand why people are so excited about this, why people are quitting their day jobs, why people are earning more money doing this, why people are being fed by the change that they're making in their own lives. I'm Matt Powers, grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. And thank you so much. And if you're still listening, go click the link.